Church, good morning. Any Clemson fans in the house? All right, I'm a Clemson guy, so I wasted my time last night. Absolutely wasted my time. But I'm happy to be here. We got an extra hour of sleep. It's fantastic. If we haven't met before, my name is Bryce. I'm our pastoral intern. And I want to let you know in advance, I'm actually here for one reason today. It's because Jesus has changed my life. Has he changed your life in the past? Can we celebrate Jesus today as we get rolling? He's the reason we're here. But before we get into the sermon itself, uh, chances are the, the song that Melody just sang, which was beautiful, beautiful song. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe this was your first time hearing it. You probably were able to figure out the topic of today. We're going to talk about how God speaks to us. We're going to learn how to listen for God's voice. But before we get into any of that, I thought that it would be proper to wait until today to make a confession. Is that okay? Can I make a confession? Now, this is a confession I'm not proud of, okay? So uh, it's a big mistake I made a couple weeks ago in this very room. So I thought this would be the place to say it. Uh, There was a song that we sang a couple weeks ago, and I'd never heard it before. It turns out to be one of my favorite songs I've heard in this room. Maybe you've heard it. The name will be on the screen right now, A Balm in Gilead. Now, this is a beautiful, beautiful song. Chances are you've heard it many times. Um, But this was my first time hearing it. Now, 7 a.m., That morning, a couple weeks ago in this very room, I was sitting in these pews and we were listening to Melody tell us as the staff and the volunteers for the morning, the titles of the songs that we were going to be singing. And she got to this one and for some reason, this is the song title that I heard instead. And um, I got to be honest, I'd never heard Jesus described like that in my life. A balm in Gilead. Let's go. That's my type of song. I love it. Um, but uh, that's not the name of the song. So I wanted to make that confession up front in case we sing it in the next couple weeks, uh, give you something to laugh about. Now, we're going to talk about God speaking today, and if you're taking notes, I'd love to give you the title of my message up front, God is Still Speaking. God is Still Speaking. I believe that we serve a God who is not silent. The Bible says that he never sleeps nor slumbers, and he's speaking to you and I. I want to tell you where we're going as well if you're taking notes. 1 Samuel chapter 3 is going to be our passage today. Not the whole chapter, just a few verses. Verses 1 to 11. So if you have a Bible with you, you can turn there with me. Uh, The words in the New Living Translation, which is the Bible I preach out of, will be on the screen if you would like to follow along that way. But we're talking about the life of Samuel. Now you may have heard of Samuel before. He was the one that went to King David's family, went to his father Jesse elsewhere in the Old Testament, and said, Jesse, one of your sons is going to be the next king of Israel. I need you to go get him, line him up, and I'm going to tell you which one it is after God tells me. And it's David, the most unlikely of choices. That's the same Samuel that we're talking about today, but from a slightly different point in his life. You see, this point in Samuel's life is near the very beginning. Hannah, his mother, prays for a son, gets a son named Samuel. Samuel's name actually means God has heard me. God has heard my prayer, Hannah declares through naming her son Samuel. And we pick up in chapter 3 where God speaks to Samuel for the very first time. Starting in verse 1, here's what the Bible says. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. That was the priest. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. 
Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called out a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Let's pray. Father, our prayer this morning, regardless of what we've brought with us in this room or online, is extremely simple. Would you speak to us now? We, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now it's easy in this passage to see that God is indeed speaking to Samuel. Now most of us, when we read this passage, we could assume that this was some sort of audible voice that Samuel was hearing. But many times in our lives, the way in which God speaks to us doesn't necessarily come in that package. Now maybe there's some of us here today who have heard the audible voice of God. In my 25 years on earth, I haven't heard the audible voice of God, but I have no doubt as I'll share with you even in a few moments some stories. No doubt that God has spoken to me in the past, that God is continuing to speak to me even in this season and will in the future as well. So today we have to learn how to listen for God's voice. Because if I had to guess, there's probably this collective desire that all of us have. Some of us in this room, we have been a member of this church and most importantly, in the body of Christ, a follower of Jesus for a long, long time. There are others of us in this room that may have come this morning just for the very first time. But regardless of where we are in our faith, I believe that the collective desire for every person here today, online and in person, is this. I would love to hear from God. I would love to hear from God. Because of the most basic understanding of God, what we find is that when God speaks something, it happens. When God speaks something, it's true. So chances are we all want to hear from God. Samuel in this story, I believe, teaches us how to listen for God's voice. So I want to give you three movements, three things that Samuel teaches us this morning. I'm going to give these to you in advance if you're one of those folks like me that wants to have the whole outline and then kind of fill it in from there, you know. The first point that we're going to talk about is we have to get prepared. That's number one. The second one will be get close, and the third one will be get up. We have to start by getting Prepared. It's actually that which Samuel does as well in this passage because Samuel prepares himself in terms of hearing from God by serving God. That's what the Bible paints a picture for us to show us that Samuel is one who serves the Lord. In fact, I could take you to three different scriptures to prove that. The first one actually is in a chapter before what we read. So in chapter 2, verse 11, here's what the Bible says. Then Elkanah, that's Samuel's father, returned home to Ramah without Samuel. That's great parenting, by the way. Just leave him. He's fine. He's serving the Lord. He's doing great. And the boy served the Lord by assisting Eli the priest. Elsewhere in that same chapter, verse 18, here's what the Bible says about Samuel. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. And then finally, the very first verse that we read together in chapter 3. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord 
by assisting Eli. I believe that this displays for us Samuel's level of faith because he was willing to survey God that he had not seen or heard from yet. And that's a crazy concept, right? Are we as people willing to serve a God that we haven't heard from audibly before? Maybe in the same way, shape, or form that Samuel has or other people in Scripture that we've read about have, like Moses who communes with God on a very personal level. Do we believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is still speaking? If we do, we will serve by faith, as Samuel proves to us, even before we've heard something in the package by which we believe it should come. I'll never forget a trip that I took a couple years ago, 2018 in the summer. It was hot here, but where I was in Alaska, I don't know if you've ever been to Alaska, it's beautiful up there. Uh, There's not many people up there. Uh, So in Alaska, it was about 60 degrees in the summer. It was beautiful out. There were people mowing their yards at 3 a.m. And the reason they were mowing their yards at 3 a.m. is because in Alaska during the summer, there are approximately 22 hours of daylight and two hours of night. So it drives people crazy. It would drive me crazy. But nonetheless, I was in Alaska for just a week on a mission trip with young adults from our church. And we were in Denali State Park on the final day we were there. And so we hiked up this mountain together, had a great view, had a great time, decided to hike back down the mountain a few minutes later. And as we're coming down the mountain back to our vehicles, one of the students on the trip with me, a fellow young adult, he was talking about a time in his past when he had seen some sort of angelic being in his dorm room. It was crazy. It was captivating everybody's attention. And I was listening in as he was telling this story. And I'll never forget the prayer that I prayed. The immediate response that I had to that story was, God, maybe my faith isn't where his faith is. Maybe that's why you haven't shown up in that kind of way to me. So I pray that sometime in the near future, you would show up in that kind of way to me when I least expect it. That was my prayer. And I'll never forget what I felt God's response was. Again, this wasn't some audible voice that I heard from the clouds. kind of would have freaked me out, actually, if that happened. Instead, this was a thought that God continued to put in my mind, press on my heart, immediately after praying that prayer. It was as if he said these words, do you need to see me in that kind of way to have faith? that I am who I say I am. In a similar way, as it relates to hearing from God rather than seeing, do we need to hear from God in a particular way that we say is the best, that we say is correct, that we say he should speak to us in order to believe that he is speaking to us? I just wonder. I've been guilty of that many times. I feel as if I'm far from God and I don't hear God speaking when In reality, he's speaking in many different ways if I'd only pay attention. That's the reality that it seems to be Samuel wants to teach us today. I would argue that God has actually already equipped us because of what he's already spoken in the word of God. And if I could take a moment of just pastoral privilege and kind of to a side in terms of the word of God, that's why it's so important that we can't tear any pages out. And we can't change any sentences. You see, because the moment that we take what God has already spoken, the word of God, and we read one page out of one chapter out of one book of this Bible, and we say, well, it applied a couple years ago, but not anymore. The minute we do that, its inerrancy goes out the window. Infallibility, some of these theological words that describe, in essence, this book is completely true. Well, apparently it's not anymore. 
if we try to change it. I believe today that this book, completely every page, every word, was true yesterday in full. Today it's true in full, and if God gives us a tomorrow, it will be true once again. That's what I believe. Because I've seen its value. And I've seen just how true it is that God has spoken to us Old and New Testament alike already. And so maybe today, between now and the conclusion of this service, what God wants to speak to us is not some new revelation that he's only giving to us so we can put it on YouTube and gain a bunch of followers. Instead, maybe it's something that he's already spoken that he needs to remind us of. Maybe it's that verse that you've had memorized since Sunday school as a child and he's desperately desiring that you revisit it because of the life application it could have right here, right now, in this season. The greatest way that you and I can get prepared for what God may speak to us in this season, on this day, is to get as close as possible to understanding what he's already spoken. That's the greatest step we can take. And we see evidence that Samuel shows us just how close we need to get to two people in particular. The second point I want to make is get close. We can't just get prepared. We have to get prepared by getting close. It's something that Samuel paints a picture for us, for us to see. He gets close to two people, and the first one is Eli, the priest. He gets close to Eli. He's a friend of Eli. He's learning from Eli, the priest. This is someone who acted as a mediator seemingly between sinful people and God. The book of Hebrews declares that Jesus Christ is the great high priest, that for once in all time, because of his sacrificial love on the cross and then out of the grave, we can put our hope in the fact that when we pray to the Father, Jesus Christ is the mediator between us and God the Father. And here in this story, Prior to the New Testament, when Jesus Christ comes onto the scene, Eli is the priest who Samuel desires to get close with. You see, Samuel chose to be around people who spoke wisdom. Samuel chose to be around people, as Steve Arneson from our congregation once said to me, had their antenna up toward heaven. Do we have our antennas up toward heaven? You see, sometimes when I desire to listen to God, like God speak to me, I'll pray it in the form of a prayer. God, I haven't heard anything in a while. Would you speak to me? And I think what he's begun to show me over the last couple of years is the prayer that I pray when I say God speak to me should result in me acting every single day, stepping every single day out in faith saying, God, I'm listening. No matter where I go, no matter who I encounter, on this very day, I have my antenna toward heaven, to receive that which you may be seeking to show me and say to me. There's a photo you'll see on the screen. Illustrates this point a little further about the people in our lives. This is uh, Lawn Chair Larry, as he's referred to. Maybe you've heard of him before. I call him LCL. I just thought of that right now. Um, This was, I believe, in the late 1900s. He's probably one of many who have tried this. He decided to get on a lawn chair, hook it up to this many giant balloons, and he actually took a BB gun with him. He said, when I'm done on my 16,000-foot adventure, that's actually how high he got, 16,000 feet up in the air, I'll just take this BB gun and I'll shoot down every balloon one at a time so I nice, you know, gradual decline all the way to earth. Now, it doesn't take a Harvard graduate to know that's not how it went. 
Um, and uh, I think the story goes that he got caught in some power lines or something like that. Now, he survived. It was okay. But, I mean, if I'm him, I'm never going to do that again. I show you this picture, and I tell you that story about Lawn Chair Larry to say one thing in particular. Somewhere along the line, before he got into the air, someone he really trusts told him it was a good idea. Like, <laughs> you should do this. And you know what? When you're up there, you should take a BB gun with you. You can just shoot down one bullet. He's probably mind blown. Oh my goodness, you are a genius. No, he's not a genius. I say that to say this, that maybe there are people speaking into our lives, even those that we've invited to speak into our lives, that say they're speaking on behalf of God, but they're not. Maybe there's people in our lives that say they're speaking wisdom, but it's actually got a heavy bias in a certain direction that isn't actually best for us. And so the question we have to wrestle with today is, if we want to hear from God, who do I have in my life that seems to be hearing from God? Because Samuel decided, even as he was a boy, I'm going to get close to someone who's close to God. And what I learned through my experience here at the church by hanging out with people like Pastor Jeff and Daniel Savanis over here, our student ministry director, and Trevor Miller, and Emma Murphy, and Melody Griffin, all these people, when I first came on staff here, what I learned was that people that are close with God will not push you closer to themselves. They'll push you closer to God. It seems to be the very thing that Eli is doing with Samuel. We don't get all the nitty-gritty details of Eli's relationship with Samuel. But here's what we are told at the very beginning of chapter 3, in verse 3. It says that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle, a very holy place, near the ark of God. And the ark of God is where the tablets were kept that the Israelites would carry around that were initially given to Moses, the law that we read about in the Old Testament. That's where Samuel was sleeping. There's something significant there. How close are we with the word of God? Do we see it as something that we open on Sundays and Wednesdays and on our small group evening per week, once a week? Or is it something that we literally cannot live without? That we understand that the breath I just breathed came from God. Because the word of God paints that picture, shows us that. Or is the word of God simply some far off thing in our house that we dust off when we clean the rest of our house because when people come over, we don't want them to assume that we are distant from God even though we feel that way. I believe that the greatest place that we could be is close in proximity with the word of God. And I believe the greatest people that we could possibly hang out with are those like Eli that would push us toward proximity with God himself. We have to get close. We have to get close to others, and we have to get close with God. The final step in the process is get up. We get prepared for God to speak. We get close as to listen for what God may say. But then we have to be willing to get up. You see, God decides to speak to Samuel when he sees how close he is in proximity with him, when he's sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, the Bible says. And that's when Samuel, after hearing God's voice, decides to move. This is verse 5 of chapter 3. He got up, that's talking about Samuel, 
And he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? That happens on many different occasions until finally Eli decides, okay, I understand. It's not me speaking. It's the Lord speaking. He's trying to get Samuel's attention. I need to tell him what to say. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. But sometimes we can mistake God's voice if we're not careful. You see, in this story, Samuel mistook God's voice for Eli. Someone he was close with, the priest. And then Eli was able to then redirect him and say, it's actually not me speaking, it's God speaking. He wants you to answer him. But oftentimes in our lives, we can mistake God's voice. And I I really think it comes down to two categories. Sometimes, first, we can mistake God's voice for coincidence. That's probably the most common, at least in my life. I'll look at a situation when I felt like God had spoken to me, or maybe I felt like God didn't speak to me. And I'll say, well, that's just a coincidence. I love telling this story. It was when I was in college. Maybe I've told it in here. If I did, you can throw something at me. I'll stop. When I was in college, I went downtown Columbia with some friends, and I was in the cookout line, the restaurant cookout. And it's this long line outside of the restaurant. So we were going to wait a while. We are standing outside in the cold, talking amongst ourselves. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy. And he looks, uh, in, 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 he's, he's wearing some raggedy clothes. He's carrying a lot, and he looks out of breath. And so he sits down at this empty table outside cookout. There's students all around, college students from all these different campuses. And nobody really seems to be paying him any attention. And so out of the corner of my eye, I see that. I look over at him. And as soon as I start to return to my friend's conversation, I hear this voice, again, not audible, but I sense this statement that keeps pressing on my heart and is put in my mind. And I attribute it to God speaking. And God says to me, I want you to go over to him, talk to him, learn his name, and then pay for a meal for five, six dollars. That's it. Now, immediately when I heard that, I started giving God all these excuses. Say, God, no, I'm here with my friends. I, I can't do that. I'm sure he's going to be okay. Like, it's only five or six dollars. I'm sure he can pay for that. It's fine. It's a long line. Don't want to lose my place in line. You know, all these excuses. Not more than 15 seconds later, I look over at this man once again, and I see this student. Never met him before. Walks over to the man, sits down with him at his table. I can't hear what they're saying, but they're having some sort of conversation. They walk towards us, and they say, hey, do you mind if we cut you in line? I wanted to buy him a meal. I'll never forget that moment. Because I could have really easily said, oh, well, that's just a coincidence. I mean, you know, I didn't go do it. There's other caring people around. I'm sure he's just a good guy. He decided, no, what happened was this. God spoke something to me. I said no, and God essentially said, all right, I'll send somebody else. That's how good God is. That one way or another, he desires things to be accomplished. He'll make it happen. He cares about his people. But oftentimes we can take a situation like that where we heard God speak something and we questioned it to the point where we called it a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. Sometimes we mistake God's voice in a different way. We mistake God's voice for the voice of condemnation. This is a tough one. This can be a painful one. And it's a very common one. I believe that the Bible teaches, actually Jesus in the Bible teaches very, very clearly that God's voice is one of conviction rather than condemnation. And there is a difference. Jesus says that it's better I go away, in the book of John, it's better that I go away to his disciples because when I do, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict. He'll comfort. He'll be with you. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. This is what the Bible says in John chapter 8. It's one of my all-time favorite stories in Scripture. Maybe you've heard it before. A woman is caught in the act of adultery. 
And the Old Testament law would say, that's not good. That's a sin. Jesus actually talks about adultery. He clarifies some things about adultery in the New Testament, in the Sermon on the Mount. But nonetheless, these men bring this woman out in front of a crowd. Jesus is there with them. They're the teachers of the law, and they say, Jesus, this woman was caught in adultery. We believe that's a sin. What do you say? We believe we should stone her because of that. What do you say? Jesus gets down. He writes in the dirt, doesn't say too much. But initially, he, he then says, uh, if there's anyone here who hasn't sinned before, I want you to be the one to throw the first stone her way. One by one, the stones hit the ground. One by one, the accusers disappear. Until the only person in that scene who'd never sinned before is left, and that's Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to the woman. The Bible says that then Jesus stood up again, and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? She looks around and says, no, Lord. And then Jesus says this profoundly, neither do I. Go and sin no more. You see, in our lives, when God speaks something to us through the voice of conviction, it sounds different than condemnation. Conviction sounds something like this. That thing in your life is not going to fulfill you like you think it will. Trust me, my way is better. The voice of condemnation sounds like this. I cannot believe you would be so stupid to do that. Shame on you. That's not God's voice. And a lot of times we can think that it's God's voice. And what happens over time, because I've experienced it, is we build up this idea and this picture of our Heavenly Father in our heads that's ready to hit us when we do something wrong. But instead, God is loving. And he loves us enough to point out that which is wrong, that which is wrong in our life, so that he can direct us onto the path of everlasting life, as the Bible says. So that he can help us live, as Jesus declares, the abundant life that he's come to give us. And I just fear that maybe some of us have not been able to experience fully that abundant life because we've come in every Sunday and we've said, yes, I serve God, I know Jesus, I follow Jesus, and all that's true, but our picture of who Jesus is when we do something wrong is so false. God's voice is not one of condemnation, it's one of conviction, redirection, and ultimately love. We have to be careful as to not mistake God's voice. And the way that we don't mistake God's voice is understanding God's voice through that which he's already spoken. Samuel teaches us to get up and finally, as we said, Eli gives Samuel some instructions specifically on next time God speaks to you, here's what you are to say. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, Lord, your servant is listening there's a key word in that phrase. There's multiple key words in that phrase, really. But one I want to hone in on is the final one. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. It's a Hebrew word. The Old Testament, most of it was written in Hebrew. A little bit was written in Aramaic. And the New Testament was written in Greek. This Hebrew word is shama. And here's what the word means. Listening for the purpose of obedience. There is a difference as I have experienced as a child growing up in a home with awesome parents, there is a difference between listening to something your parents say and listening with the purpose of obedience. There's a difference. The Bible says that Samuel, while listening for God to speak, was ready to obey. 
I just wonder what would change in our life if we were ready to obey God prior to him even speaking. God, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. As Isaiah said in his work of literature in the Old Testament as well, here I am, send me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do it. Wherever you may call me, whatever you may call me to do on this very day, I'm ready. It's listening for the purpose of obedience. So what that means for us is that when God speaks to Samuel, it's not just for Samuel. There's action attached that will influence others. I'll prove it to you in verse 19 of chapter 3. This is what the Bible says. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him. And everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. Everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. The only way that happens is if God's the one speaking it. Samuel is not able, as we are not able, to dream something up, say that God said it, and then see it happen. Everything God says comes to pass. Everything. Past, present, and future. And in Samuel's life, his message that he received from the Lord was not just for Samuel. And in our lives, the things that God will speak to us, even the reminders he will give us from his word, they will not just affect us one way or another. They will affect the people around us. That's why it's so, so important that we learn how to listen for what God may speak. And we surround ourselves with people that know how to listen for what God may speak to them. Because what God speaks to you will influence someone else. What God speaks to someone else in the past has probably influenced you. Many of our testimonies, many of our stories of when we came to know Jesus Christ personally, they included other people. It probably wasn't just us. God is speaking in a corporate way. He speaks to Samuel for the sake of his people, Israel. We're not just called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Those are both true. But on many occasions, we're called to be the mouth of Jesus as well. Not to put words in his mouth, but to allow him to put his own in ours. There's a difference. We're meant to be the hands, the feet, and the mouth of Jesus in this hurting, broken world. And Samuel shows us both of those. First, he starts to be the hands and feet. He serves before he hears. But then he hears so he may deliver the message to the people of Israel. When God speaks... We must learn to obey. And I believe that in the New Testament of Scripture, the Bible shows us the greatest image that we could possibly look at for what obedience is supposed to look like. In Philippians chapter 2, there's this beautiful passage. It's often referred to in theological circles as the kenosis passage. It talks about Jesus Christ emptying of himself, his divinity putting on flesh humanity, fully God and fully man. And this is what the Bible says in verse 8 of chapter 2. He being Jesus humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Now, if you know the story of Jesus, you know that this obedience was tough. He was wrestling in the garden of Gethsemane with what to do. Eventually, he prays a prayer and he declares to his heavenly father, if there's any way for this to go down, what has to go down next? Other than the way it's about to go down, let's do that. But if not, may your will be done. 
He humbles himself to the point of obedience to his father to die a criminal's death, as the Bible says, on a cross. But that death on the cross led to resurrection. And that resurrection led to the hope that you and I have today. It led to the point that we find ourselves at today, which is God is calling us to do something. Will we be obedient? When we hear from God, do we want to listen for the sake of checking off the box that we heard from God? Or do we want to listen to see the world shift in some type of way? Do we want to do what God's calling us to do? Be who God's calling us to be? It takes a certain level of faith. It takes actually, in my opinion, a whole entire life's worth of walking, following Jesus, and growing in our faith. Maybe you've read stories like I have of martyrs. That term is used in many circles like churches just like this to describe people who have been killed in the past and even in the present for their faith in Jesus. There are many of them. Many of the initial 12 disciples and apostles were martyrs. But there's one story that always sticks out to me that I always love reading. His name was Polycarp. He was a martyr. He was an apostle of, or a disciple of John who was then a disciple of Jesus, the one who wrote Revelation and the Gospel of John and different books of the New Testament. So he was around someone who walked with Jesus, who heard from Jesus, who was close with God, as we've talked about today. And Polycarp went about his life and preaching and teaching and talking about the good news everywhere he possibly could. Many became saved. Many understood the message of Christ for themselves because of his life and what he shared because of what he'd heard. But then there came a point where he had a dream one night. And in this dream, he concluded, my life is going to end really soon. God has revealed to me how I'm going to die. I'm going to be burned at the stake in the very near future. And that's exactly what happens. But right before he is killed for his faith, they give him a chance to get out of it all. They say, well, listen, you, you've been teaching about this Jesus figure. And that's the reason we're here today. But we will let you go free right now if you'll say the words, I no longer follow Jesus. I deny him. I don't want anything to do with him. And this was the response that Polycarp gave as he's nailed there and ready to be killed for his faith. Here's what he says. 86 years I have served him and he's done me no wrong. How could I deny my Lord Jesus now? That's a powerful response. But I tell you that story to say this as we close. The level of faith that the disciples had the level of faith that folks like Polycarp had, the level of faith that many of you here today, I, I know for a fact, have. You don't have that level of faith because of some new revelation God's speaking to you. You have that faith because of what God has already spoken. Do we need to see Jesus face to face and hear his voice audibly to declare by faith that he's exactly who he says he is? that he's alive today, that he wants a personal relationship with us? If the answer is no, then that's when we start to live by faith. Placing our faith completely, our hope completely, our trust completely in the fact that God has spoken before, he's still speaking now, and he'll continue speaking in the future, but many times what he'll speak is what he's already spoken. He'll remind, he'll redirect, he'll refine through his word. This morning, I want to give you a chance to hear from God. Maybe this is the first time in a long time that you've pressed pause on everything else. Even on other Sundays, 
There's been something on your schedule that you have to do right after church, and that's kind of the the thing that you're focused on. But right here, right now, I want to give you a chance to put everything else to the side. I'm going to do it too. And spend a few moments in silence awaiting God to speak something to you. Maybe what he's going to speak is the verse that you could quote for me right now. And it's the same verse you've had memorized for a while, but it's a reminder that you desperately need, that he knows you need right here, right now. Maybe what God's gonna speak comes in the form of knocking on the door of your heart saying, there's a void, there's an emptiness, and I'm the only one who can fill it. Maybe what God will speak is something for your spouse, something for someone you're close with, to pray for someone, to serve someone. I don't know what God may speak, but I want to give you a few moments in silence. You can come to the altar if you'd like and kneel. You can stay right where you are. Would you be still in this moment? Would you listen for what God wants to say to you? Father, we know that as we listen to you, when we pray, you listen to us. And ultimately, that's what we're thankful for. We thank you that you hear us, and we pray that as you continue to refine us and redirect us and convict us and show love to us, that as those things go on, you would teach us to listen to you. You would get us prepared to hear from you each morning as we sit with your word. You would get us close, not just to you, but to people that we can physically feel and touch and hang out with and get coffee with and go to lunch with that actually hear from you as well, that speak wisdom into our lives. And we pray that ultimately you'd call us to get up, to move in some sort of way in in response to what you've spoken to us even here today. Would you show us? Would you make it clear step by step? Would you not reveal the whole map to us from day one? Because if you did, we'd screw it up. Would you show us step by step where to go, what to say, who to serve, who to love, how to show love to all? Teach us, Lord, in this moment to be the hands, the feet, and the mouth of Jesus Christ as you would call us to be. We give you the honor, praise, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.